Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello. Hola. As I clip my mic on. And welcome <laughs> to Season 23, Episode 17 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. This is Tappy. This is Jim. Uh, and we have, next weekend, a game convention. We do. You do. You have Orcon 2019. Yay. The 2019th Orcon. <laughs> well, close. <laughs> I keep on hearing Orcon, like, would you like this con or this con? <laughs> it was originally Orange County Con. That's what Orcon stand for. The Orc uh, fantasy thing was actually sort of secondary. Oh. I went to it when it was in Orange County. That's Anaheim Sheridan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I slept in the movie room because I didn't want to pay the 12 bucks for the communal hotel room. And I got <laughs> kicked out by bouncers like five times. <laughs> The Sheraton and LAX was the same way. It was the same five dudes trying to sleep in the on the couches in the in, in the lobby all the time, getting rousted <laughs> to the point where I had to take a couple of sides. Like, look, guys, guys, you guys can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me try to find you some other options. Maybe some some crash space or whatever. If you volunteer for just a few hours, we can get you something <laughs> that won't get you arrested. <laughs> um, you, you have to be on the roof and we'll just lock you up there. Well, the, at the Radisson, there was that roof space that. We could lock people up there. Um, that never happened. That never yeah. happened. Well, not while I was an officiant in any way. Um, but in any case, yeah, we have Orcon 2019 in uh, at the LAX Hilton. It's running from uh, Friday to Monday, and that's four straight days, starting at noon on Monday, ending uh, starting at noon on Friday, ending at four on Monday of straight gaming, 24/7 throughout those. And you mean twenty four seven? And I mean there, there's games, games running at four a.m. There's games of were- werewolf running till the next morning, um, awesome. and all kinds of stuff going on, pickup games and whatnot. Um, one of the big differences and one of the coolest things going on. Thank you to Happy Jacks RPG for for signing on to help us do this. Is that we're going to have several Happy Jacks actual plays. At the convention. Yeah. Streaming live. Mm-hmm. Streaming live. Oh, from, from our podcast room, which I had to give up a room to have that, but I gave it up gladly. So not only will we be streaming live, not only will it be available on YouTube like the rest of the, all the great hot Happy Jacks offerings, but also there will be audience space, uh, about a dozen seats for you to sit down and actually watch these people play live and in person. Um, which means we have to wear pants. Which means you have to... Mm, or kind of... Covering right. over your crotch. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be pants. Um, at least a junk sack. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Banana hammock. <laughs> uh, although I'm not sure if anybody really wants to see several people. I don't know. I, I pay money to see uh, Kadev in, in a banana hammock just right. because of the comedy factor of it. But <laughs> I, I may like, have paid money. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, can we find a Star Trek banana hammock? <laughs> yeah, that. Sure with a Starfleet symbol right yeah. now. Right <laughs> on the teeny weeny? Yeah, that'd no. be awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Thank you, Kimmy, for being the voice of reason. Just no. <laughs> Family show. I want a Call of Cthulhu banana hammock. <laughs> oh, that has like little it coils like, around, around yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> like little like tentacles that you are, legitimately that are lose sanity looking at it. Right. Yeah. I'm pouring my whiskey now. <laughs> uh, but also, and and of course the the, the live uh, Happy Jack show, which will be. 
talking about the APs and the other games that are being played at that convention. Yeah. Yeah. So the main difference now for all you wonderful viewers that maybe sometimes don't like that convention podcast because you just get to look at people talk about these games that you get no experience with, well, now you get some experience with it, and we'll be talking about those as well. So, you know, it, 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 it definitely... Uh, Definitely worth a second look. Yeah. Now, who is playing in those APs? Well, fifty oh. percent <laughs> of the people playing those APs are your Happy Jacks hosts, mm-hmm. as per normal. I will be playing in the game on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, but the other uh, half of the games uh, will be uh, half of the game will be attended by attendees that will sign up for these games as well. Yeah. So you know. Uh, all of these games are now full on pre reg <laughs> They actually filled up uh, two and a half minutes after pre-raged open. Nice. Um, <laughs> which was pretty ridiculous because I was looking at it. And, uh, at, but, uh, so you'll not only have uh, the, the entertaining factor of watching the, the, the fun people that you watch normally on here, but you'll regular con attendees will be there as well experiencing the experience. Uh, uh, we've had some uh, fans who are going who signed up and like in the last few days you've been doing the approvals and there's like fits of joy on Twitter and, and in the Discord <laughs> and on the, the forum and stuff as people are like, I got into one of the games! <laughs> so it's very exciting. Uh, I, I was literally on there for an hour approving <laughs> all these games yeah. and, and no other department has that. <laughs> I mean, my, my buddy Mike's runs injury gets maybe like a dozen pre-regs mm-hmm. the entire convention. I get like 146. That's because you run the RPG section. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And if, and, if, and if people don't get into their games, they get all kinds mm-hmm. of upset, and uh, it's yeah. crazy. But now, and on top of all the cool RPG goodness, there are literally thousands of other events uh, party games, board games, video games, mm-hmm. Pathfinder Society, Adventures League, uh, LARPs, which has experienced a, hu- a huge renaissance at our convention mm-hmm. due to a change in leadership, which is fantastic. Um, if you can game it, you can play it there. Uh, and on top of that, we have one of the most extensive, extensive game libraries out there where you can just literally drop off your driver's license, pick up any of the games in the library, take them to open play, play them, and then bring them right back. Yeah. So you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to have all the board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just good times. Um, and it's a relatively inexpensive way to spend a weekend. Yeah. And, uh, and it's super fun. And yeah. not only that, but, you know, I'll be there and I'm awesome. Yeah. Uh, but a couple of the games that are being run, um, Stu, on Friday night, you were running the Mortals of the Moat game. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think I'm calling it A Holiday on Caravel Island, which is the actual name for the Moat of Sin. Yes. And it's a bunch of uh, old friends from college who get back together for their reunion, for their the, the graduation weekend they spent on the island ten years ago. Yeah. And they've come back again. Mm-hmm. And... Hilarity does not ensue. Yeah, I'm trying to make a, a, a Dead Kennedys reference there. And I just like, <laughs> I miserably. So, um, oh, holiday in Cambodia. Yeah. <laughs> so Eli and I will be playing in that game along with people who signed up. Um, Tomes is running the next morning, mm-hmm. um, and he'll be running uh, Murkurger. Yeah, that's what it's called. It. It's the Death Rolled Kingdom. Uh, and he's playing with Jason Mills and Joey are going to be in that game. I think I forgot to sign up for these. <laughs> you did. That's oh, okay. <laughs> they went quick on our end, too. I was like, hey. Like, it posted in the Slack. Um, then that afternoon, Kurt Potts is running Lighthearted, which is a playtest of a new system. And mm-hmm. he's got Nick and Clara playing in that. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next day, uh, Mac is starting Sunday off, running a, PPT, a PBTA game. Uh, it's going to be Horror, and Kadave and Abria are both playing in that game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Adam is finishing us off with a Good Society game, which is going to have Gina and Jim in it. 
Excellent. So there should be a lot of games, and uh, Stu and I will also be there like the whole time running the shenanigans of the technology. Oh, also, I, and I can come and help you guys if you, you want to leave. There you go. I'm someone who absolutely should be watching over things. Right. <laughs> Tappy is one of the most responsible people I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drink more. When, no, whenever you feel irresponsible, or no, actually, whenever you feel overly responsible, like you're not having any fun, call this dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and he will fix your problem. Uh, speaking of Tomes, also, Tomes will be running Games on Demand yes. all oh, yeah. uh, Saturday and Sunday. Harumph. Sunday is uh, kids-only Games on Demand, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, is great. He's awesome. He has a crap load of GMs that he's brought in yeah. for this. Oh, and good. People, industry people that he's brought in that are probably special guest-worthy mm-hmm. uh, type of people, uh, game designers and stuff. So a lot of great stuff going on there. And he's doing an entire, like, block of uh, For the Queen. Yeah. How to play For the Queen. I can't wait to play that game. Uh, and Which is a game he's been gushing about. And I'm telling For you, if he likes the game, it's probably awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, just simply watch Small Game Hunter and you'll, you'll find that <laughs> out. Uh, but uh, in any case, like a ton, a ton. There, there is not a second. I mean, you'll have to choose sleep, eat, or game. Those are your only three options, you know, uh, for the entire week, drinking is just the whole thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that's I a totally, given. That's yeah. like breathing. I'd yeah. lose ten pounds if it wasn't for the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. In this episode, we're going to discuss character generation for cons, specifically partial character generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian <clears throat> sends us some thoughts on sandboxes, horse lich arise, yes. and Eric from New Jersey sends us a bit of horror. But first, if you'd like to email us. You can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. We're on the Twitters, the Facebags, and the Instagram. And that's happyjacksrpg, all one word. We're also on MeWe! <laughs> so check that box off on your on your bingo yeah, card. Because I, I read the bingo card, and I have all everything that could be me memorized. <laughs> I... I didn't know that me we had e's instead of i's. Me we. <laughs> I was doing like how we would spell it. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah no, so it's it's m e w e. It looks not like mu. Yeah, I don't even want to know what website you got to with that tabby. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so bad. All right. Um, also, we have a new new forum. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved from our old ancient forum, which we love and like had many years of great service. Many years. Many, many, many years. And it's so actually, was, this is actually, I believe, our fifth forum. Well, yes. But <laughs> most people don't remember those forums. Right. Um, so we had, and so we moved to a new forum that was just not, it was not what we thought it would be. Um, and I had more confidence in my ability to code things than I should have. And uh, customize it and stuff. So we moved that down. CSS oh, yeah. book for dummies is not what it's cracked up to be. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we got a really customizable one through WordPress, which is very cool. But it just it, I got very close to what it should have been, and it just I was not capable of moving it past that. So we found a new one, which is actually fantastic. And I Flarum. think Flareum, yeah, which Based is actually amazing and very friendly for and everyone's like. It's better than both the old forums. Yeah, so. it's cool. It's color coded. Mm-hmm. It's really smooth. Yeah, and yeah. it's got all the categories of the old forum, but in a much more uh, conversation driven way. And it's amazing on mobile, which is the most important. Oh yeah, it looks fantastic oh. on mobile. Yeah. yeah, and even all the admin backend like is so oh, good on mobile. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, the old forum was a nightmare on mobile. <laughs> no, it was so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can be on there yeah. while I'm working out. Yeah, yeah pro exactly. Boards. So you can be on there, and you don't have it's to download old. any other apps to see it. So go to happyjacks.org/forum. Or happyjacksforum.com. Forum.com. Yeah. Oh, both of those go to the place. 
So. And also, we stream the show live. Mm-hmm. If you would like to watch the show live at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Friday night, you can go or to thereabouts. Ha- or thereabouts. Plus or minus, usually minus. Uh, has it ever been plus? Schedule is a promise. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. In, yes. There, there have been. I used to do a pre-show. I used to play songs yeah. before the show would start. Oh, yes. When it was streaming, I think we did it on yeah. when it was on YouTube Live, and then also or Hangouts Live, and then before that, when it was on Mixler. I don't know if you remember Mixler, Mixler which was an audio-only streaming service. I know, I know, sir, Mix, Mixlerot. Oh, God. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, that's it. Happychecks.org slash live. Happy Sometimes Chats. I just want to give you a like smack. <laughs> just a like smack. Just sometimes. I'm doing better. I have a lot of tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> I've known you for too long. Yeah. Happychecks.org slash live if you want to watch the show live. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk about. Um, Character generation at cons Because okay. I mean I, The way I always just do it Is just make all my pregens And then hand them out Or let people pick them Or whatever they want to do mm-hmm. And then We'd play the game mm-hmm. And I think the first people that, that that did it Within our group Was probably Stork And C.A. Dave mm-hmm. They did a traveler Where they had They had rolled characters up To a point I think And then they had like The the, the players got to roll the, like their last career, last terms mm-hmm. in it. I think I think they were the I first. Think ones I remember that. also Tyler doing that for one thing. Like it, like he, he did a have. lot of it, but there was like one specific section that he right. left. And there've been some there've been some listeners too who have done mm-hmm. similar things where like on Savage Worlds mm-hmm. they left the drawbacks blank. Yeah, it's like you come up with your own drawbacks right. or things like that. And and the last. Convent, last convention, the one before, I ran a Mongoose Traveler game, and I had six players, and I made everyone just roll up, make their own characters using the character gen system, and it, it took about forty-five minutes for everyone to make their characters, yeah. but everyone had a real clear. The, here's, a, I, I think, the advantage of doing that: everyone had a real clear idea of who their character was because they made it. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a real advantage to, to to even eating up up to an hour of that of that four hour period of time to give those players that. Ownership, ownership mm-hmm. of their character. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on this, or or other ways of doing it? I, I, I'll, I'll, in a, a little bit, I'll talk about what I'm th- planning on doing with Chronicles of Darkness. Well, for for me, I like to do either full generation, like the players make their characters completely, which is only really possible in either a system everybody probably knows mm-hmm. or Traveler, because Traveler is just rolling dice, right? It's like. You can choose which one of the, this list of careers you want. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want a secret agent? Cool, there you go. Right. You want a captain? There you go. Um, or full generation, mm-hmm. and or the where I make it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because then they don't have to like. I I don't like it if I'm thrust into a system that I don't know and say, choose one of these things. It's yeah. like, well, I don't know what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, See, what's I love the, that. What's the ramifications you know? of what is, the Or what does this even mean right. for my character? So, like, I, I... But I enjoy being given a character, like, when we played the um, Savage Worlds game. Yeah. It, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, Maltese like, Falcon. I, I know what this character is. Like, I played the character... I think differently than was originally intended, mm-hmm. but it's like ah, I can see this character. I'm going to do my own take on this character, and this is why Shakespeare still played today because mm-hmm. people can have their own take 
on a specific character. Sure. The the partial gen is I don't know. It's a little difficult for me, I think, just because it's it, I think it it sets people up either for um, expecting their character to do things that it can't, mm-hmm. and then not mm-hmm. having that feeling of being good at something, um, or just kind of being frustrated because they don't know what's going on. Right. Um, it's sort of dependent on system, too. It is um, absolutely dependent on system. Because there are certain games where they don't function very well unless you have certain parameters filled. The... The game I'm specifically talking about here is Tenra Bancho Zero that I ran a one-shot of here, mm-hmm. and I tried to do a partial one of that. And nobody knows that system, at least on, on the game table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are these things that are very important called fates, where it's kind of like these, like they're either like goals or strong emotions you have, like you might have a goal of be the best swordsman in the world, mm-hmm. or you might have an emotion of... I hate robots, um, but these things change over the. That's part of part of the game is letting go of like earthly, like bonds and desires, mm-hmm. or that how they change because um, of this how karma works, etc. So I just says, hey, just come up with your own. Well, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Not that they didn't come up with good ones, but because that is kind of like on the spot, like oh shit, I need to come up with at least three of these things. I can come up with up to seven of these things that I don't really know what's expected of me. Right. right. And so things that are nebulous, I think are kind of like difficult. Mm-hmm. Things like, what are your pronouns? <coughs> cool. Tell me your character's pronouns. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, what is your character's name? Cool. Tell me your character's name. But things that are kind of like nebulous and weird, especially for somebody who might not be used to the system, which is very likely in... Especially that system. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's but but in any system, like, I've played very little 5th edition. Mm-hmm. I like 5th edition, but I've played very little of it. So if I was thrown into a situation where it's like, hey, choose a bunch of these things, or you're going to just, just make your own character, mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot more difficult for me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, oh, Jim, did you... Oh, no. Okay. Uh I agree uh, in some ways, especially something like 5th edition. Like, 5th edition, like, I can see... I've run more con games than not con games at this point because that's what I have more time for, and now I've been running them for years, so I'm, like, really dialed into that. Um, I went from one extreme, which was not even letting players see the character sheets before they sat down, which is, like, cool and, like, interesting in its own way, to uh, now, I do that same sort of thing where they don't because I don't want them making the decisions based on mechanics. So now I do in all of my con games for the last few years. I've done like most of the math part and left a lot of the uh, the more character aspects to be filled in. So Sorry, I do yeah. agree that like having someone sit down and having to make mechanical choices isn't always fair. Right. Unless right. you do something where I mean, I, one of the things I like about Wall of Towns is there's like a menu in there. In the playbook of, uh, and I don't. I'm not suggesting you do wild talents because that won't. That's not a good idea. I was going to say. Anyway, I can imagine yeah. just make a wild talents character before we play. Right. Uh. No. 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 That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but you can. You can absolutely oh, yeah, make a hero character. Yeah. Make, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But you can absolutely make it more palatable. Like if you have okay, here's three options. Uh, like like make something. It, t- it would take a lot of prep, but I could see like here are three great options. You could almost do a cut down version of 
the choices so that they can have some customization. That was exactly what I was going to suggest. Yeah. Is if it, even especially when you had your those those passions or whatever mm-hmm. those motivations in the character, giving each uh, character a list of five or six options. Yeah. There are maybe seed options. Yeah. And they and they can either choose one or come up with something like that to yeah. give them an idea of what kind of thing they should come up with. Yeah. Give them some context for the decision. Yeah. Uh, and that's I think is super important if you're dealing <laughs> with a system where that that they're people are unfamiliar with or a world they're unfamiliar with, they're going to lack a lot of context. Mm-hmm. I think that the important thing for you to do as a GM is give your players that context if you're going to allow them the option to yeah. to make those decisions. And a menu is a great way of doing that, where you're like, here's four choices, you know, you're a paladin, here are four, like, main things. So that way they feel, they, they have, it's like, it's like going to a full restaurant or a full bar versus going to, like, the wine bar. Right. And it's like, okay, here are your choices. They're, they're a little bit narrowed down. So you know you're going to get wine. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of wine, and <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Right. But, um, so it, it just makes things a little bit more manageable, but you still get that that feeling you were talking about, Sue, of that ownership. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is important and really important, even in con games, even if it's only for four hours. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you saw that in the Wild Wild Talents game when mm-hmm. you did the episode zero and we actually built our little town. Yeah. Uh, and how everybody <laughs> how everybody seems to be so incredibly invested in the goings-on in this place because we helped build it. Yeah. So, of course, if you make your own character, you're going to have a little bit more invested in it. Yeah. Or And the more direct narrative effect you have on your character, the more you're going to be into the character. And a lot of people kind of resent the whole, here's a character, play it. Personally, it's one of my favorite things about con games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I go in there, I do not know who I'm going to be Mm -hmm. or what I'm going to do. I sit down, there's usually like five or six characters Mm -hmm. laid out, and I go, this person, then I turn it into something that's uniquely me, regardless of what's on the sheet of paper. Um, Because my kick for RPGs is that, that sort of uh, spontaneity, spontaneity mm-hmm. and that creativity. I can see a lot of people being very frustrated with that if that kind of stuff doesn't come easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I'll shoot out five, six, five or six character ideas whenever somebody mentions something just because <laughs> that's the way I'm built. Yeah. But not everybody's like me. <laughs> uh, so you have to be very careful when you run those kind of games because you can either really terrify people mm-hmm. or you can really make somebody blossom as mm-hmm. a role player depending on the way that the tactic <clears throat> you take. Yeah, one thing I really like about these one shots where you get a character is I always play fucking weirdos. Like, what? yeah, right? And that's like just how my brain works. And so being given something that is more standard is fun for me. Yeah. Because I just never get to do that. Yeah. Oh, I get to play an accountant. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, so <laughs> I, I can play a paladin. I would never make a regular paladin. Right. Oh, I get to be a t- teacher. My, my, <laughs> my, uh, my friend Chris Jackson, I miss you, buddy. Um, uh, ran a game where everybody was sort of like a pro, uh, archetypical Marvel character. Mm-hmm. So he had like a Wolverine guy. I played the guy who was the Thing, mm-hmm. and his name or, name was the It. Right. <laughs> so on the character sheet, was he a giant rock clown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's a big rock guy, and so I took my pencil and I put two dots mm-hmm. on the character sheet, and I said, "I am the It." <laughs> so what? I am. The IT. Did you try turning it off and on again? Oh, oh God, that's and, so and, good. And played the character who was... Uh, the, the thing is, the character was the superhero. He was the character and had a little background about what his powers were and what it was. He had no idea of who he was before he became a superhero. He was a frustrated IT guy. Mm-hmm. And so I played him as a frustrated IT guy throughout the entire game. It was hilarious and was awesome. His, was his main attack Control-Alt-Delete? <laughs> <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete. <laughs> 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 He was old to <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, so but that's that's an example of like I literally put two dots on the character sheet and I made it radically different than what the GM had intended. Still played fine in the game, but I made it my own. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I, I think I don't know if I would have the courage sitting down at a stranger's table to do that. Like if you know a person and you know people at the table, you're a dick tappy. You're fine. You would do it. I'm a dick like, yeah. <laughs> But I say it in the most loving way. Um, but like if I sat down at a stranger's table for a game, especially if I wasn't familiar with the system, like like I'm going to be much more nervous about making cool radical decisions like that because they might not be cool with that. Like you knew your GM really well, so I think at a con, I think I, I think l- allowing a little bit of flexibility. Make can can encourage people's creativity as they feel like they own the character more. Right. So even if you don't ha- like the th- the thing that I found with PBTA, like I generally do full character generation because it can go really super fast and it's very easy to understand. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so there's no reason not to. There's no yeah, reason filling not out to. a playbook yeah. five minutes. Yeah. If you but, know what you're doing. Yeah, but when I do things like wild talents, I generally do like all the math part and I just like leave the character stuff and then I will often add in especially lately I've, I steal or write things similar to the PBTA connections where we'll do that between it so there's a little bit of that background creating mm-hmm. and it usually takes like 10 to 15 minutes it's 100% worth it um, mm-hmm. and it just starts to get people it seeds ideas and it just builds people's confidence because they are they start figuring out who at the table they have connections with so you're not starting with a blank slate because you right. can sit down at a con sometimes and nobody knows each other and those are hard games to get going like they're just like there's almost no like I hate like oh you meet in a tavern it, it's super fun if you know everyone there already because you can do wild crazy stuff in your tavern yeah <laughs> <laughs> but if you're actually sitting at a table with strangers that's like Awful, because you're actually getting to know each other while your characters are getting to know each other, and it's just painful. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes the first day of school because of that. Like yeah, the, the, <laughs> well, the RPG hobby, when it's when it's really good, it's almost orgasmically awesome, and when it's almost. really bad, oh, oh, oh my god, it's bad. <laughs> 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 oh my god, you just want to run away from that table yeah. and just give everybody a smack on the face <laughs> and just walk away. Um, but but isn't that? Part of the effect of trying to give players their a, a little bit of agency mm-hmm. at the beginning is to try to set them at ease. Um, yeah. And yeah. at a con game, I think the GM's major job is to set their players at ease and and, and get them to get their creative juices going, mm-hmm. and get them to buy into whatever whatever you know uh, idea you have as far as the game goes. Yeah. And which is why I think that a mixture of the two really works well because when you when you pre make the characters. In a lot of ways, you can make those characters that are bent towards a direction of making... Like when I did that uh, the, that Savage Worlds game, yeah. mm-hmm. each individual character was tailored to have a specific effect on the culture of the game and in, in the way they interact with that culture. Right. So that if anybody read the characters or read the backgrounds, they would have narrative cues as to which direction to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you add that to, hey, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, like when you're running a fake game, I will always just... The high concept, I will fill out. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I'll let everybody else fill things out themselves. Right. Yeah. And I tell them, you don't have to do it right now at the beginning. Yeah. You can actually, as you play, go, you know what? I think my character's like this, and I'm going to add this and do that. And I'm like, I have no problem with that yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, and it depends That's on the system. Uh, fill on the fly kind of thing. Right. Yeah, because aspects are so easy to come up with. They're just little phrases. You can just make it go. Uh, some games don't lend themselves to that. Some games do. Uh, some games require more prep. Some games require less. Some people are terrible at thinking of cute names for aspects. <laughs> I'm not talking yeah. about anybody except me. That's why I look up band names, <laughs> right? Or uh, or song names. 
The, for Chronicles of Darkness, mm-hmm. uh, I'm making the characters as far as stats, skills, mm-hmm. and merits. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then the name, the description, the vice, the virtue, uh, the breaking points, mm-hmm. they're going to come up with that on their own. So they're going to have they're going to basically have some stats and skills, and then everything else. And if they want to move stuff around, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, but that way they're making the personality of their character, right. not necessarily the game mechanic effect. I think you pin the the tail on the donkey on that because that's exactly the secret. Uh, mm-hmm. You give people uh, access to creating the actual character in the way that the character interacts, but right. you. You remove the crunch from it and handle it for them because, frankly, you don't have the time, and a lot of people won't have the familiarity with the system to do something like that. Right. But when you, you know, pick your name, it's like what you know. I mean, I think Abria put it best when it says, "What's your fucking deal? What you're about?" Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You ask them up front. So, what's your fucking deal? What are you about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 and and then oh, I'm about this, and then the mechanics are just side note, and right. then you move on. And as far as connections, the, the PB, P, PBTA style connections, I'm also going to be doing that. Nice. So, like, mm-hmm. as soon as the players have fleshed out their characters, I've got, I've got so like six, sometimes, five or six questions to yeah. ask them about their past because they all went to college together. Mm-hmm. The, the PCs, so. One of the things that I really like about the like first edition Apocalypse World ones of those is there are things like, you know, who is your lover? And you're like, mm-hmm. you are my lover. Instead of like asking people or like determining who like or like you are in love with me. Right. Um, that's really interesting, I think, because that, that throws something unexpected into that match. And that's one thing I really love about those connections, mm-hmm. is it right. kind of changes what you expect right. to do with your And you can do that with any game, because what you yeah. can do is just create the characters and then give every character a list of five questions oh, that see, they'll that, have to answer. That right. terrifies me at a con. Like someone just random sitting at the table looking at me, oh, you get to be my lover. Oh, it sure could be abused. A hundred percent. Like, I don't mind that, like... Those, yeah, right. Thanks, Gabby. That's, that's exactly the look I was talking about. Thank you. That's very accurate you're, and creepy. You're uh, awesome at being creepy. I mean, <laughs> okay. Never I, spent, I spent like over a decade like building up my Iocane Tappy like immunity. Iocane power? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, Iocane power. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I mean, definitely be careful of, at a con of what you put in those questions. Mm-hmm. The questions I'd be comfortable with with like Happy Jack's crew are very different than I, right. what I'd be comfortable oh, yeah. with at, at well, con. Do you want to hear what the last the last of my five questions is? Because oh, yeah. these are open ended. I wasn't going to like pick a person and say, you know, answer this question. Yeah. I was just going to throw them out mm-hmm. and see who would answer them. Mm-hmm. Who walked in on whom having sex with whom in whose dorm room? <laughs> oh. That involves four different people, right? Because someone walked in, okay. two people were having sex, and it was someone's dorm room. I've got some Does awesome white cards for this. Yeah. <laughs> give, them, give them cards against humanity, and then <laughs> no. But uh, I mean, uh, yeah. if, if if you look at a lot of the story games, like uh, like the one we played with Tomes or For the Queen mm-hmm. and stuff like that, usually there's uh, at the beginning of those story games, there's a bunch of questions that you load up, yeah. throw out to the table that establish some truths. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, it doesn't necessarily have to be about the characters in general. You can make those questions about sort of like the world that they're going to be in, yeah. or ask them questions about how they met up, or try to build connections. Uh, a questionnaire, of course, needs to be tailored particularly, mm-hmm. and you don't want to ask. Questions that people will find to be too personal, uh, especially at a con game with people you don't know. But to ask somebody, it says something hurt you in your past. 
deeply and you still carry it with you. Mm-hmm. What was that? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't have to be any and, and it and they can go and in, go into their own comfort zone about what yeah. that is and avoid the things mm-hmm. that they're not comfortable with. Just make it a little b- bit broad. Absolutely. I, I kind of think that con games should be like Designed to be more fun and less like getting into like the so, dark side. I was throwing that as an example, but yeah. you're correct that con games tend to be a little yeah. bit more lighthearted because mm-hmm. you know how much psychologically in depth are you going to get in four hours. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, you know you can you can just ask some you can just ask some pretty broad questions and use them mm-hmm. and give people a little bit of like, oh, you've used the thing that I put. And and a lot of things that helps with those questionnaires is don't share it with the rest of the table. Just have them turn them into you. Awesome. Um, so you're not exposing yourself to other characters and you feel like you're keeping some secrets from some other people, which is always always super fun. Right. But it gives you some plot hooks. <laughs> you, I, right. you can. You don't have to. Like I would, I would say at least like ha- maybe have one or two questions that they just turn into you, but have some so they're like doing connections with the table. And you need to remember as a GM, you are setting the tone for this. Um, I do a thing every day with my class, which is super hippy dippy. I know I do circles in my classroom where we sit around and we greet everybody every morning. We do we pass around questions, and you, I set the tone every day. Should I? No, no, no. I really don't know what you're talking oh, about. Circles. Like you read people? No, no. All the greet. kids sit around in a greet, circle. Greet. greet. Yes. Oh. So everybody gets greeted in the morning. We have a topic. We talk about whatever. So and it starts off our day. So I set the tone running it. It's the same as a GM. So if I say, okay, so this morning our question is going to be, what's one thing you can't live without? I always go first. So if I say, one thing I can't live without is cookies and cream ice cream. Like, boom, that's going to be a very different share than if I say, one thing I can't live without is my husband. Like, boom, same question, totally different tone. Right. So as the GM, (laughs) yeah, as the GM, if you say, okay, so here's a question, give an example. Because that sets the tone then for what you're looking for in that game. Right. So you can then have a table, like if you're at a table with people you know and trust, you can then like go, I can't live without my husband. But if you're at a tone, you're, you know, with, you're with the people, you're like, you know, uh, fireball whiskey and apple cider. I can't live without that. <laughs> like that's, so you, you giving examples can also be a great way to kind of set off that conversation in a way and in a tone that you are comfortable with and that you're reading new players are comfortable with. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just came to an epiphany and I discovered that I am extremely lazy at this apparently because, <laughs> uh, uh, I like the table to set the tone for me. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it basically puts me in a situation where I have to conform with what everybody else wants mm-hmm. uh, and also raises my level of spontaneous creativity. So I have to adjust to what I have to do, which is what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my, I think it works in either way, depending on... My, you know, might that also do. risk the, the tone of the table becoming the lowest common denominator at the table? It's <laughs> mm, true. It's true. Or, I, I mean, that can, I 100% do that with tables I know and trust. Um, I think maybe I'm in a place like as a woman where I'm a l- I've felt very vulnerable at con games. So I tend to, when I am GMing, make sure that there's not a vulnerability for my players there. And leaving it up to the table can can leave vulner- vulnerability. Wow, man, and, and and that's that's so telling in how your perspective really affects your absolutely how you how you do these things. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, because you know as. I am completely privileged in that, and I've never really felt creeped out or, or hinky at a table. Mm-hmm. I've never really had to deal with that, so it doesn't really enter into my thought process. Right. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's a radically different experience. Yes. Yeah, and it's something I am keenly aware of because it's happened so often. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm GMing, sometimes it happens, even though I'm in the position of power, quote, 
like I've been made to feel uncomfortable and it's oh, like sure. okay yeah thank you Teppy <laughs> but so it's one of those things where that like, was mostly a visual thing that was, that was mostly at home yeah Teppy was being a creepy face um, <laughs> next time we do that I'm going to sing my tongue in your ear <laughs> but yeah I think and I think that You're is talking my what <laughs> but I think that is uh-huh. like the most important role of a GM at a con and at a one shot and uh to be aware that you are setting the tone and that you need to make sure you're setting a tone that everyone's just, you know, comfortable with. And you need to be, you know, whether you use X cards or whatever, you know, tools you use to make sure that's clear. Um, you know, there's a bunch of them out there. Like, find the one that you're good with. Um, like, like, you're kind of responsible for that. It's not on your players to make them feel comfortable. You are the teacher in this fucking classroom and it's your job. So... Yeah. I, I, we swerved off of character creation so, for a moment. Sorry. I just want to know when you, if you ever say uh, wild talents like you're in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Wild, wild talents! <laughs> I still love the wild, wild talents. Yeah, I, I can, every time I'm like, wild, wild talents. <laughs> Welcome to the wild, wild talents. <laughs> I guess can't stop myself. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's Dure? Dure? Dure douchebags. Douchebag. Dear douchebags from Brian. This is Brian. He used to be in my old gaming group. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he's written in a couple times. Yeah. I'm listening to season 23, episode two. Good times. Where Stork brings up tape heads. <clears throat> he is correct in identifying it as a very funny movie. Yes, it is. Uh, that captured these two guys for whom running tape was all consuming. I was happy that you managed to identify both John Cusack and Tim Robbins without me having to travel back in time to the Happy Jack studio to correct you. Interesting trivia note. It, in the Cal State Long Beach Cinema class, that would be Theatrical Film Symposium, because I took it as well, because you got to see free movies every Monday night. Uh, and because when you're a starving college student, that's the only way you get to see movies. Uh, the director of Tapeheads visited the class I took. Lucky Especially bastard. in, like, 1952. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did they have movies then? Yeah, yeah, they didn't have sound. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I mentioned that uh, the, the director of Tapeheads visited the class I took. He mentioned that both Tim and John had been up for the other's role, but John was tired of playing only nice guys, and Tim Robbins was willing to switch roles with him, which is how John became Ivan, an abusive, manipulative, entrepreneurial entrepreneurial best friend that you've never knew you needed. However, Stork is wrong. Devo did not appear in the movie. (gasps) The sequence using Devo's song, a Swedish cover of Baby Doll was lip-synced by a massive-muscled Aryan models. It was meant to make fun of the ba- of bands like AHA. Oh. See, I had heard that someone... I had heard from someone else that, that it was that it was, was Devo, but maybe it wasn't. Isn't, I don't know. Isn't AHA like Take On Me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stu was also correct in identifying the advertising jingle for Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles as the <gasps> best song of all time. <laughs> I love Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. I live right next to it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. Right over here on Lakers. Yeah. Their waffles are so good. I know. And it, uh, their chicken smothered, right smothered in gravy. Do <laughs> oh. mm. their chicken sausage? No. It's so good. Oh, oh my god. No. I'll sit there and I'll gross out my wife, eat a whole plate of chicken gizzards. Like, staring. Roscoe's chicken and waffles just a California thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's like four of them, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's one on Pico, there's one, there's one in Long Beach, there's one, there's one in Long Beach. Uh, it's specifically LA. There's, yeah, there's, there's one, one by LA somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so you can go there when you go to Orcon. Uh, I have. What? <laughs> I didn't know there was one by Orcon. Yeah, there's one by there. 
We're canceling oh. all the morning games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting fucking chicken and waffles. Well, I'm sure you could like Uber Eats it or something. <gasps> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be cold though. I need 114 <laughs> chickens. It's like Saturday. It, what is it? Sunday night falafel king. I'm telling you, it's the right. Best. Uh, so many times I can recall walking into the Guitar Center, hearing the opening licks of Stairway to Heaven, quickly overshadowed and replaced by Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles jingle. <laughs> uh, sandbox. Dum, dum, dum. Uh-oh. Uh, I also agree that we will benefit from agreed-upon terms. It certainly will help clear up amb- ambiguity and misunderstanding. However, disallowing sandbox is not the way to achieve this. Oh, <laughs> I disagree. Uh, but uh, by your own, by that's not how you spell by there. By your own admission, since you got a degree from the same college I went to, come on, pal. Yeah. <laughs> by your own admission, was it in journalism? No, no, I think he was an art major. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a very artistic way to spell by. <laughs> yeah. Very so creative. Suck it. Right. <laughs> by your own admission, essentially. Well, maybe no- he wants to buy your own admission. <laughs> 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 you <work on>. <laughs> uh, Roscoe, uh, Roscoe's no. <laughs> By your own admission, essentially no RPGs are run as sandbox games. Possibly, I don't know if that's <laughs> true. Uh, so, what is the use of having a term that it, that is popular, but strictly speaking, applies to nothing that is currently played? That's because I don't think the term is should ever been used. Uh, or is is of so little practical application that it almost never applies. Can we just agree that the term has a different meaning when applying to RPGs? I propose that the term can be used to apply to any game, any of the games where even the world games where even the world setup is largely collaborative. This can be done at a games session zero or it can be it can happen during gameplay when players are asked to fill in details. Just my two cents. Keep it up. Happy Jackrabbits. Thanks for the podcast. It always makes me happy. Chronovore on the forums. Brian in Osaka. Well, Tokyo at the moment. Tokyo. I have feelings about this. Okay. Um, oh, God. Oh, shh. Okay, so actually, you guys you guys go first. No, no, no. No, no, no I've said plenty <laughs> about... I don't think we have anything to say. We're just okay. excited that you're going to yeah. talk about a definition yeah. of a word. <laughs> okay, well, here, here's Oriented. the thing. And I, I think he's right. Like, useful definitions are important. Yes. Yeah. So if it's like sandbox games don't exist, uh, okay. Well, then how do we? Dis- there's obviously some description of a game that we're trying to come up with that isn't the traditional like Lord of the Rings. You have a here is the ring. You need to take this to Mount Doom. Right. I know right? what I call. That's kind of the. I call them open narrative games. Well, uh, I want. I kind of want to go go through real quick like what I think a go a, for it. Sandbox game because this be. is what this guy's okay. asking is uh, a, a sandbox game or you could call it open narrative, but I don't really think that's that's correct. Is one in which the players determine what the plot is going to be, right? That's what I've been saying for the last year. So, <laughs> like, like um, the, the plot hooks come from the players, not the GM. Yeah, and and so games that are really good at this, games that are really good at this, are things like uh, Apocalypse World, because. You have to set up a a inequality. A uh, is Tappy saying that there are games that fit this narrow definition of sandbox? There are multiples. <laughs> You're gonna love the next one I come up. Okay, I, I say so. Uh, there is a, a a fundamental inequality that is, that She's is a cider. Yeah, that is one. an existential threat. Right. Right. So apocalypse world. You don't have enough water. You don't have enough food. 
what are you going to do? Right. You're in charge of a, a town. You don't have water. You don't have enough food. What are you going to do? Drink right. beer. Uh, you are the head of a raiding group that ha- are riding motorcycles. You don't have enough bullets. You don't have enough gas. Yeah, right. Right. So now you can't get enough water. Can't get enough food. You're going to die. Um, so you set the up these threats, right, which are like vital to how you run in the Pockles game. You set up conflicts, right, and then they determine how you do this. It'd be kind of the same in like Middle in Middle Earth, and please correct me if I'm wrong. This, uh-huh. where like say if Isengard is mobilizing on Rohan, and you, the player characters are like generals of Rohan, it's like okay, Isengard's mobilizing against you, and as opposed to. The king says, you need to go and kill... Raise your army and go over yeah, there. you need to go over there. It's like, mm. what are you going to do? Because the answer could be, we take everything and leave and burn all the shit to the ground. Right. And go to Mirkwood, because that's near there? I don't know. Close enough, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Morocco, these things, is this, is, this is setting up a sandbox. Like, it, um, but there has to be a reason for people to do something. So I think one of the best sandbox worlds, mm-hmm. thinking about this definition, which is a fundamental inequality that is an existential threat, is first edition Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, okay. Uh, specifically how the LARP was run, but it's like the fundamental inequality is you need blood. Right. Every day you need blood. If somebody fucks with you, you need more blood. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to get this blood. Like, you need at least, like, 30 people. If you have, like, a herd, you need, like, 30 people... Uh, because like every four weeks, like you right. can only take a pint from somebody every like four weeks or something. Right. Um, so you have have to create this this situation where you can survive. All the other vampires are trying to do that. You're all in conflict with each other for doing that. If you have more of these people than you need, you can use that to leverage other people, and that's how you get that whole um, like political backstabbing sort of situation. Because everybody wants the most number of people or like territory they can they can hunt on hunt them, right. or or a herd they can feed on or things like that. That is that's a game in unto itself. Right. Um, you don't need to have. And I think the reason why in second edition or like later on first edition you start getting the sabbat being fleshed out and attacking and a war and stuff like that is because people wanted to run more of the normal type games. As opposed to these games where you're just fucking trying to get blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more powerful vampires do not want you around, but they have to accept you because there's a rule that you can't kill vampires. Right. Um, and I think those games are really interesting. Um, but that, and I, I've run those games. I've, mm-hmm. I've absolutely run these types of games because I love not doing work and I love my players doing work for me. Right. Um, I think that is the best description of what I think a sandbox game is. Okay. And so, there you go. So, like, to sum up. So, to sum up... In a short, In a short thing, definition. Uh, a sandbox game in, is one in which the players determine the plot. Well, I, I think that's where the misnomer is. Uh, because I think that traditionally uh, sandbox games, at, at least from uh, a video game uh, point of view, are usually viewed as... A, the, the, it's an open world and you get to explore it. And that's what the draw is for a sandbox. The sandbox itself is the draw of the game. The fact that you have this big open space and you get to walk around and talk to people and do things. But in sandbox games, there's narratively, there's still, there, there are a bunch of side quests, but there's still one main story arc and you're sort of tied to that story arc regardless of what you do. 
there's different types of resolutions for it, right. but still you're basically or doing the line of quests that in they've the, set in up the sort for of you. analogy of a uh, of sandbox, the sandbox games. What I've always put up as the sandbox game of all sandbox games is Minecraft because there's no plot. Yeah, the the plot is you have a food bar and it's slowly going down, and so you have to have food. Yeah, and and at night monsters come out, so you might want to build something. And so, yeah, there's there's a, a fundamental existential threat. Yeah. You don't have enough food, and monsters are going to eat you. I think that is perfect. Yeah, I disagree, but that's okay. I've already <laughs> talked about it. So, but, okay, let's look at it this way. You look at it story-wise. Uh, what, I, I, what I, are the, I don't think I heard this. What are, what are, oh, yeah. what are the elements here uh, when, when, you're telling, when you're telling a story? You're, you, have, you have heroes and villains. You have uh, drama that's generated by conflict. Mm-hmm. And the so the sticking point is here. What is the conflict being generated by and from? Right. So you can still have a, wor- uh, a world where it's very closed in and defined, like you're inside uh, a vault in in uh, in a post-apocalyptic thing. You don't get to explore a lot, but it's your responsibility to come up with the conflicts for that narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's still considered a sandbox game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like you need to eat. Figure out how to eat. I would absolutely call that a sandbox game. And the players get to use their own ingenuity instead of a GM saying, oh, hey, roll this. Okay, you can get into this computer. And then, so, like, a GM has an end, in a, a traditional game, there's an, there's an end idea that the GM has. Like, the, the ring goes into Mount Doom. Right. Right? And then there are You are put the, the seventh key on. On the yeah, of the keys of Entuzler on the yeah. ring. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and so then there are roadblocks put up against that final right. goal, and that is that is how the GM determines how that plot flows. Yeah. Instead, if it's the what are you going to do? Well, the end goal can be well survive, but you're not throwing up roadblocks. They're trying to figure out how to do it. Well, we're going to grow things. Cool. How are you going to do that? Well, I want to look here. Mm, mm, that's not going to work so well. If you're playing a game where the players are constructing conflicts for their characters as they go and creating a plot around those conflicts, they're generating their own narrative, and the narrative is open, which is why I call it an open narrative game. They're telling their story. I think they are playing in the sandbox how they want to play. Mm-hmm. They're telling their story. They're just telling their story. The sandbox is irrelevant. Um, the, where, where, <laughs> where, where, where they do it is irrelevant. That words are relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no spoon, there is motherfucker. No spoon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like so. So basically, what we're trying to do here is, is figure out something that's useful. Right. Right. We're trying to figure out useful words for trying these to tr- come up with a definition for sandbox that doesn't mean a game that doesn't suck, which is generally how people <laughs> use the term sandbox. Right. <laughs> And, no offense. And, and I think people playing how they want to play, people figuring out how to solve puzzles the way they want to solve them. Like, you could do a thing in uh, in Apocalypse World where you don't have enough food. Cool, we want to try and like grow things. Awesome, we're going to go that way. Or, cool, we're going to fuck up that town. That is a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... That I'm also a little mm, about like this whole like narrative and story words mm-hmm. because it gets to a point where like players have narrative control over their characters but unless a game like really 
definitively gives you like narrative control over the story, mm-hmm. you had just have control over your character. And I think that I, I've run into situations where players expect to define what is going on from a GM's perspective because that's the quote-unquote story they want to tell. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing unless it is a system like, say, Fate, that specifically pushes that in. Right. Um, And so I personally want to back away from words like narrative and story because I think they've gotten really loaded with hippie games. And while I love Apocalypse World and I love hippie games... Okay, Apocalypse World is no longer a hippie game. Yes, it is. That's no, why I say both. It's super mainstream now. It doesn't matter if it's mainstream. It nope. can still be hippie. Hippies mm-hmm. were mainstream in the 60s. So, uh, <laughs> regardless, like, this type of game, I think is a great game. Like, I love it. Go to Woodstock in the, in the what is it, 72? And okay. do some, was and do some I mushrooms. Was. And then some acid at the same then, time. And then, then they were other mainstream. things. Do mainstream. that. Is mainstream, it? mainstream is a relative term. Is it... <laughs> Is it a sandbox game? If I'm playing, like I'm at Woodstock in whatever year you said, and it depends where the. It, it <sighs> oh my god! Why I'm not running a game that's set in Woodstock and people trying to figure out if shit's real or not? Hey, it's a fan. game. See? Oh my gosh, that's a change. Why the game. are you trying to put <laughs> labels on things, bro? <laughs> Come on, why man. Are holding you back. Dude, the everything's holding you back. No, you just gotta just let that it go. That was a great goddamn it game. <laughs> you know, I, I ran. Um, Oh, what was it? A Shadowrun character called Grooveman that lived in a van and was a decker who was completely non-lethal and ended up being the most killy character I ever made. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I ran a game. It was... Um, oh, the players had to... They were like... It was, it was the pulp moment of truth game I ran. Right. And one of the things that was going to happen if the game... Uh, if they burned through too much of the game... Because there was a... There were, the, the, the Russians were trying to sabotage uh, the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or one of the moonshots. But it was around the same time that Woodstock was happening. <laughs> so, one of the things they could have done, they, they never even possibly conceived of this, is steal another rocket and chase down the other rocket. I know physics doesn't work that way. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But basically, go and get the rocket. And then when they, when they go th- into re entry, they'd come down in the middle of Woodstock. <laughs> uh, nice. And I had songs set up and everything for it. Uh. They, they, they never even. Conceived of the possibility, they figured that we're going to have to figure out a way to avert this problem from Earth. So. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's interesting how sometimes players get very myopic. Yeah, in in their view, especially in this pulp game, it's like yeah. the sky's the limit, man. Well, back to, to back to the the sandbox thing is, I I think that in in essence, what people are trying to describe is the amount of investment, uh, player investment versus GM investment in that relationship. Right, and and how much how how much input and how much power each side has, dependent on what the story is going on. Because the, what where you're telling me is that um, a, a game where players have a little bit more um, say as to the construction of what they consider to be conflicts for their characters, versus a GM that says this is your quest and these are the steps that you have to go through them to do it. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's exactly what I mean. Um, let, me, let me put it this way. So I ran my Traveler game, right? And I, my idea for the game was they were going to be like um, uh, the crew of like this tramp freighter, all from like these weird different places. And they were going to be like, it's going to be like Firefly. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have like be very episodal and. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and uh, and just kind of like do these runs and commit right. crimes and shit. Immediately, Bill's character is like, "This other faction is fucking fucked up, and we need to stop it." And I was like, "You got it!" And immediately turned into something completely different. Sure, right? And the willingness to do that is something that I don't think a lot of GMs have because they won't allow players characters to make their own decisions and not like block them but it's still the characters making character that's decisions that's a very broad and not making broad brush you're, you're painting a lot of gms with no, 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 no. <laughs> i don't i don't mean to say it, but right. but it's like m- many people would like try and turn them back to what right. the game is going to be right i feel um, like that's less true now i yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. i feel like that's I something agree. that more and more people are learning to Kind of improv as a GM and, uh, and go with the flow. But I spent so much time in this world, like building it up and creating all the faction and shit like that. But I had this world set up that they could do fucking anything. Yeah. Sure. And so my entire idea of what just fucking went out the window and went with what the players were doing, and they got more and more and more invested into it because. But your sandbox was big enough it. to be able to handle that change in direction. So I have a really important question. So, how is player agency tied with AC in a sandbox <laughs> if it's a mainstream narrative? I fucking hate uh, agency. I'm so <laughs> over that word. I mean, really, if we're gonna keep I'm beating s- this lich horse, <laughs> like, let's do it. I'm so over agency. Is it lich horse or horse horse lich? I, I don't know. No, not, that's that's a the, that's a wizard horse that dies and comes back. It's just. A lich. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> no, but Come there's on. a dragon. No, 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 we can define this thing. If it has a phylactery, there's a, get there's that a bitch dra- a phylactery. There's, drag- there's a dragon lich. <laughs> there's there's a demi lich. Yeah. So there would be a horse lich. Wasn't Isn't it, it a or draco lich? A pony lich. It might be a draco lich. A, oh, there pony, could be a, lich po- a pony lich. A, a pony lich. wizard that that died yeah. that was yeah. a unicorn. Totally. And then, and then, right. Friendship is fucking magic. <laughs> and magic is heresy. <laughs> and magic, right. and friendship is forever. <laughs> I will live forever. <laughs> All right. Thank you for digging up that dead horse there, Brian. You know what, Brian? In Osaka, <laughs> I mean Tokyo. I also have to give Erica odd credit because she's the one who came right. up with that quote in the chat room. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I totally stole her joke. God damn it. Here's, uh, I love you, Erica. You're my friend. A horror story from uh, Eric in New I Jersey. I will do this because I haven't talked for five minutes. All right. All right. Hello, Jackers. It's okay. I really had nothing else to say about that topic. <laughs> we, yeah, we've had plenty. It's like, oh my god, time we've talked about this shit. The only reason I talked a lot is because Tappy agreed with me. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, because because it's correct. Because you're always right, dude. <laughs> that was the lamest high five ever. Yeah, yeah, make it less white. <laughs> All right. There's you can't. No. So yeah. I mean, a goth guy and an old and like a, an old gamer dude. Like, there's about a good. It's amazing our hands hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Horror from Eric in New Jersey. Hello, Jacker. Oh, it's it, not a horror story. He says it's not a horror story. He's well, in the chat room. Oh yeah, that's why. right. He missed me. He told oh. me this yesterday. I was supposed to okay. fix it, and I forgot. All right. So, hello, Jackers. This is a letter, just a regular awesome letter from Eric in New Jersey. Here, emailing you again. By the way, he's on the new forums. You should go there. I wanted to do a horror story because I know the audience likes them, but I have trouble calling out longtime friends in a public place like a podcast. So, I'm sorry there. 
Oh, see, that's as far as I read. I only read like the first half of the sentence. I just want to quickly say that it was playing a religious character who goes to pray, having the GM each and every time suggest that the character is secretly going off to masturbate is pretty damn juvenile. Yeah, oh, depends on the religion. Oh, that's true. I mean, it could be like some. You could worship Ejaculon, who knows? Yeah. Oh, Ejaculon. <laughs> Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, it might yeah, be an okay yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> or, or you could be a, a demigod of Onan. Yeah. Yeah. My god, that man was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A follower Sorry. of the little man in the canoe. Right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> All right, uh, no. This is going to be one of those. Uh, this is not going to. This is going to be one of those navel gazing emails. I will, admit, I will admit, I don't have any good answers to what I'm going to bring up. I just think back to my own experiences and hope I haven't done anything too terrible. Um, wh- why play a persecu- persecuted minority? I don't have a good answer for that. I have played them before. At my age, I think it has something to do with being told I'm going to hell for playing role-playing games. It also doesn't help that I've never had a gender preference for a partner, though the jury is out uh, on if D&D or bisexuality sends you to hell faster. <laughs> GURPS. Yes. GURPS. Straight up. Great. Uh, people can be- <laughs> well, in up. the Universal Church of Onanism, neither. Neither. <laughs> um... People couldn't be, convin- uh, couldn't be convinced that sometimes I had a healthy lifestyle with healthy outlets like RPGs. However, in an RPG, I could uh, be the discru- uh, distrusted goblin who earned the trust of the other PCs, and some NPCs and, and some NPCs feel like they actually belong somewhere. Feel like he actually belongs somewhere. Uh, the next question would be: Why would anyone play a character who is racist? I am unsure about an out-and-out racist, but I have played something close, where a character is prejudiced against a certain group of humans. The... Trig? Trig? Trach. Trach. Whatever. Trach. Trach. For a savage group of people. They were set up in, uh, in the rules to be prejudiced against, so I decided my character was going to be a bigot, and specifically against them. I believe that such a thing can be done if the ultimate goal is redemption for the character, because I believe playing someone who overcomes such flaws is just a poignant and uh, is just as poignant, and someone overcoming any such flaws in an RPG. My character ended up crying and saying how sorry he was for the way he'd been to another PC who happened to be that race after a long evolution of the character. Care must be taken to play such a to play such a character, though. My most hated rival in the game was a fellow PC who was played by one of my very best friends. I said things to him that I would not have said to another person because we were so close and wanted to roleplay through that type of relationship. Thinking back, though, I often wonder if I made other players uncomfortable. Nothing was said that was a real-world slur, but it still got vicious at some points. I hope this email prompts some interesting discussion. I hope you don't think less of me for playing a bigoted jerk who eventually found redemption. I wish you at Happy Jacks nothing but the best and want to thank you for the past several years of podcasts. Please keep diverse. Uh, Please continue not to take shit from assholes who would do things to others at conventions. Please keep being a group of friends who just lets us in on your fun. I'm going to seriously (laughs) grant that. (laughs) Cheers, Eric. Eric Eric. from NJ on the forums, the new forums, and Discord. 
Just Eric just on me. Me wee! <laughs> <laughs> Four exclamation points. Yeah. If it isn't in all capitals, I don't know what they mean. No. Yeah, right. It's Eric, like nail bat. <laughs> nail bat has to be in all capitals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just misspelled. Yeah. I mean, we've sort of touched on this uh, Last week or the week before, yeah. we were talking about if someone uh, w- w- was playing a, a, a member of a persecuted group yeah. and wanted to explore that, that puts the GM in the position of having to portray bigoted NPCs. Yes. Which it can be a very uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah, I think that one of the, the magic things about RPGs and one of the things... I mean, when you're working with, like people who are trying to work past specific things like you do role play with them like when i'm working with students um with disabilities sometimes like i like they don't pick up on social cues so you do role playing with them to teach them those things i think role playing games for the wider society actually they they provide a place where people can try this in a setting like what is it like to be a persecuted race if i'm playing a drow or something like that in a way that is not necessarily infringing on actual... Like, they're not necessarily playing other people. See, I wonder... I'm going to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Yeah, that can be done. But I, what I think ends up happening mm. is because you're not dealing with actual people. You're like, dwarves hate elves and elves hate dwarves. Right. Okay? Dwarves are bigoted towards elves. Elves are bigoted towards dwarves. That's a very safe thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is that setup being used to explore bigotry, or is it being used to have a safe form of bigotry? Mm. Nah, I think you you are correct. You see what I'm saying? It can be used both ways, and I think it, or it is. at least it can be misused. Yes, it can be misused. I, I think like when you talk about like uh, societal setups uh, that are disadvantaged disadvantageous to a person where they're just up against like bullshit time and time right. and time again and they're slamming up against it that is different than an elf saying I can shoot more orcs than you yes right and in fantasy games I think we have a, a safe form of bigotry where it's it's a it's more of like a character thing you either are and then you're totally 100% invested in that I hate dwarves or you're not and you're 100% like I'm one of the good elves who really likes dwarves Right. And I think it's <clears throat> it's. There are know. some games where that is intrinsic to the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Shadowrun, it's intrinsic to the game. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. and I think it's pretty common in a lot but of still, fantasy. Like settings. it's it's difficult for dwarves to set up a situation where elves are systematically repressed. Absolutely. Even though they hate each other. Yeah. Unless they're forced to live in a homogenized culture where they're marginalized within that culture really, if they're separate. Fingers. Yeah, uh, exactly. If, if there's an elf nation and a dwarf nation and they hate each other, that's just <laughs> hatred uh, on a racial base. It's different than when you're forced to live alongside another group that is repressing you. That right. It's radically different. And it may not be an exact mirror of the real world, and that's okay, but it starts to build empathy, is what mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. So even though it's on a very dramatically reduced scale, it's in a fantasy world, it's not something that will really affect people. That small tidbit, while you, there are the assholes who will yeah. use it to, to as an excuse to use their own uh, bigotry mm-hmm. and like play that to the nth degree, 
Um, there's also for a big part of the population who use it to explore things that they can't explore in real life. Yeah. Like we see that in tabletop role playing games where people who might not be completely straight start playing uh, characters who are queer or start playing characters who are another gender from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is often like a first step for somebody who is trying to explore their own sexuality mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. explore what it would like to be a person of another sexuality. Mm-hmm. So there, it's slowly building up the empathy. They are never going to recreate what it's like to be a person of a, minor, uh, a minority race. They're never going to completely understand what it's like to be a woman or someone who is LGBTQIA plus or something like that. But it gives them, it just starts to chip away at what they're understanding and it builds empathy. I think I agree. Yeah. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, there are people who misuse it, but I think it's also an incredibly powerful tool to start taking down barriers and to start letting people explore other people's shoes for a day or couple hours or something like that. Right. I also think it's it, it it'd be kind of cool to be as a GM if somebody plays a persecuted race to just not mm-hmm. persecute them for a little while. Like that also might be kind of cool. It's just like eh, you know, I don't want to do where I play all these hateful characters. Right. So I'm just I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm ignoring who this person is, but we can build, you know, empathy or, or a connection with the character in a different way. Like mm-hmm. people that this person has like large connections with or, or or deals with on a on a significant basis to be people who are empathetic to that mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also think that would be a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about art in general, and you know, I consider this uh, a, an art form in, in a way, is that um, we are allow ourselves that the the ability to express things that and or experience things that are outside of our own cognitive experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that role-playing games really give you a very unique opportunity to uh, sample different things about life or mm-hmm. different aspects of your own personality and your own character that may be brighter or darker than what you usually are. Um, I think it's a question of intent, and I think that it's, a, it, it, it's, it, it's something that needs to be handled delicately yeah. Uh, and more importantly, from a GM point of view, because you have a more broad perspective, since you're usually the one that's applying uh, the negative aspect of that. Uh, like I said, there are some games that are that that actually it's part of their story. Like I said, Shadowrun, trolls are trolls, and they are treated like utter and complete shit. Mm-hmm. Stat-wise, they are awesome. Completely <laughs> amazing. Uh, if you don't play the sociological downsides of being a troll, it breaks the game. <coughs> Uh, because a troll can't just walk into any hotel and expect to get a bed. Mm. Right. You know, right. Uh, simply because of limitations. So um, there are a lot of ways to subtly hint at those type of things and put them in a under a lens that changes them enough that they make people comfortable. But I found that whenever I've explored themes like that, I've had to have been in a group that I trust yes. absolutely and that knows me and knows, you know, that that even if something like this that happens, it's part of the role-playing game and it's separate from who I am. You know, right. they know my heart, they know who I am, and, and it's not going to taint their, their image of me or I of them. Uh, so it's one of those things where when you start really dealing with those kind of themes, it really is very important to uh, be in a very familiar and safe space in order to explore mm-hmm. them. Uh, and, and, yeah. uh, go ahead. and as the GM, it's important to also, like, put down... 
Like, you don't always have to yes and ideas. And I know that's kind of against what we've said. Oh, you can. No, no, no. Well, that's what. Like, there are times where someone might come up with something. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be accepting of the growth process. Because there's a lot of people who play RPGs of all different generations, all these different things. Something that someone suggests for a game, they might not necessarily realize. Like, there's a lot of times where I play with amazing people that I love and I trust, and they bring something up that I'm not quite comfortable with. So as a GM, like I find a way of like, you know, I don't necessarily want to go there, and I don't necessarily feel like that's a place that we should be going. So let's try this instead. So tweaking ideas, but not necessarily. I, again, like Jim was saying, you have to know and trust these people. So if you trust them, you know, okay, the intent was not like there was no ill intent there. So okay, look, I'm going to use this as teaching moments because mm-hmm. that's what I have because I'm a teacher um, it's a very teachy episode sorry um, but it's like hey like that's a super dark real world thing I don't really feel like having my game go there but it's an interesting kind of core concept let's pull this out let's tweak it in a way that is more acceptable to the group that makes everyone more comfortable things like that so there are ways to do that as a GM too um, that can facilitate learning but don't always feel like if someone wants to explore something that's great, but you kind of have to keep the 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 enjoyment of the whole group and the comfort of yourself there too. Yeah. So there are some stories that, you know, like we stream, so people are always watching us. So there are some stories that it's not my right to try and tell, like it's mm-hmm. not my experience. Mm-hmm. So um, there are stories that very much are my story to tell, and there's some ex- you know, and it's different for each group and each GM and each person. So just kind of being aware of that and knowing that as a GM, you can, again, set the tone, but also like kind of gently put your foot down on all things and have private conversations. You're like, hey, I'm not comfortable with that and I don't feel like that's appropriate for a game. Like I can see why you'd want to explore that, but maybe deviate from that slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really like the idea of like the teachable moment and the... We're going to like explore those themes mm-hmm. and like just see what happens, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I think I am accurately depicting mm-hmm. what it is to be like this persecuted minority who yes. I am not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people who do that. Like I've seen oh, sure. in YouTube videos of people who make games who really think that they understand what it is to be. Well, I actually have an example of this a of something that I did. Mm-hmm. I actually played a trans character mm-hmm. in, in a game. And at the very beginning of it, a lot of people wanted to make light of that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. I just sort of stopped them in their tracks. I said, you know what? No. I'm playing this person, and this is an aspect of that character, and we can explore that thing, and we can, and, and you know, I'm in a world where that's not truly accepted, and I get it, but it's not a joke. And it's not something funny. And I don't want that to be portrayed that way in the game. Right. And so I just basically laid down what I wanted thematically for the character to be and how mm-hmm. I wanted uh, I, I wanted that that aspect of the character treated. And the table was fantastic about just, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll go that direction. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, when you, when you have people that are willing to go, all right, man, this is what you're going for. Let's play with that. Yeah. And, and instead mm-hmm. of trying to cover up their own discomfort at whatever it is you're trying to do. Because really, a lot of this is fear-based. People yeah. just are afraid of things that they don't, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to seek understanding, people will react going, uh, and try to make light of it or put it down. Or people just make break themselves tension come. with humor. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, I just stopped the card on that. It's just, just, this isn't a thing. It's just who this character is, and yeah. let's just play it that way. Yeah. And it worked out. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's also great to, as yourself, 
like put yourself in the situation where you get to uh, have empathy for people in Absolutely. that situation, you get to learn about it, mm-hmm. but not necessarily say, I know what this is like. Oh, right. no. And, and nowhere. And, 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 yeah. and that's what's great about role playing is that we, we get to put ourselves in, into these situations. We get to put these, ourselves in a situation like trolls. Right. Can't, nobody can say, I know what it's like to be a troll Except in this world in 2075. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and in the same way, like with these marginalized groups, I think, yeah, it's, it's a, a it, it teaches you a lot. Yeah. Like, boy, did I learn a lot about um, Chinese women in uh, film and television in the 90s mm-hmm. when I played in uh, Monster Hearts. Yeah. Because there were almost no yeah. uh, women, Chinese women, in media at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking because it's the 1990s. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? It's, it's not like the 1950s. It's the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's not your group, you're not... Noticing it, right? So I mean, and at, like again, like I, you know, I'm a cis straight white woman. So like, but like even like looking at how many like strong female role models mm-hmm. there are on TV and stuff like that. Not even starting to get into like good female role models of minority groups. Like there's just so much that that can't necessarily be understood or capsulized until you kind of try playing in it. But it's also kind of hard to play it too so i mean Mm -hmm. it's this weird rock and hard place where you are taking on mantles that are not your own which can be offensive and can be difficult but But if you do it in a respective uh, uh, yeah in a respectful way in a safe place that isn't necessarily broadcast everywhere um so that's why we tend like not always to take a bunch of risks here because it's a little bit we're not supposed to well, no, no, we do. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a different thing when we well, we are... compensate for you, Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have our, t- we have our <laughs> tappy compensator. Yeah. Um, the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, so, and making sure your, your gaming group is okay with it, because 100% before you jump into that, you should talk to your gaming group. There was a total discussion before I yeah. played that character. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Uh, but isn't that one of the greatest things about science fiction and fantasy is that you can take a lot of these things that are very difficult to talk about, put them in a slightly skewed way that makes it feel a little bit more safe, in like metaphor. elves versus dwarves, in mm-hmm. metaphor, mm-hmm. And, and discuss those things that way. Because in a lot of ways, I think that, I bring Shadowrun back up, that is a very, very close metaphor mm-hmm. to the way that African Americans and, and brown people in general are treated in culture, the way orcs and trolls are treated in that culture. Which um, you've experienced personally. Which I've experienced yeah, personally. Absolutely. So, but the, but the thing about it is it turns it into, I'm an orc, I'm not a black person, mm-hmm. but I'm an orc. Mm-hmm. And you get to try to experience those things, and me as a, G, uh, as a GM, I get to introduce things about, from my own personal experience, and mm-hmm. try to build your empathy to what I went through, or my father went through, which was horrific, uh, and so you understand kind of what it's like in that sort of controlled space. Yeah. And, you know, those types of fiction really help us open up to those things without feeling too uncomfortable or totally completely disrespecting the people that you're trying to tell a story about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That you I mean you were able to share kind of that minority slash immigrant story with people in a way that's safe and more palatable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where people don't feel hinky and uncomfortable about it because you're playing basically a fantasy character exactly. versus something. Yeah, and I've totally done the same thing with like women and and it's a great and powerful tool when in, used in the right hand. When used for good. When used for good. Yes. Right. 
So, all right, that was a all very right. deep conversation. Heck yeah, dude! <laughs> I gotta hand it to Eric. That was a great, yeah, yeah, it was great email. Yeah. Great horror story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, mm. all right. Oh, we're st- oh, there we go. Yeah, was that perfect? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season 23, episode 17 of Happy Chicks Happy Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kitty. I'm Tappy. I'm Jim. And we'll see you next weekend at Orcon 2019. Woo! And we won't be doing a show on Friday, obviously. No. Although we will be streaming my my Moto Sin game on Friday, so you can watch that. Happy Chicks yeah. yeah. slash live. Yes. If the internet works right, it will. And that's it. Thank you very much. We'll leave the song. In the bowl, and he'll pass it back dry. I'll drink from this. There are heroes in the Bible that many think are great. There's Samson, David, and Noah, and there's others touched by fate. But there's one man in the Bible whose story makes me sigh. He's Onan, and he's my hero. And let me tell you why. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to have a son. There are many Jews I talk to, but you're my favorite one. So Onan picked his wife up on the bed, he laid her down. But instead of giving her his seed, he spilt it on the ground. Onan! My God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to build an ark. There is too much sinning in this world, it needs a brand new start. But Onan stopped his building when it began to rain. He said, screw this hobo building, I'll go home and pull my chain. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan, that man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to free the Jews. So go and tell old Pharaoh that it's my will he must choose. But when Onan met the Pharaoh, he ignored what Yahweh said and pulled out the wrong staff and chose to free his seed instead. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan, that man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Well, God, he said to Onan, I'll give you one more try. There's a big man named Goliath, and I think he needs to die. When Onan saw Goliath, these are the words he spoke. I think I'll be the neat retreat, and my chicken I will choke. Oh, yeah. Onan, 
My God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Onan, Onan, in a rut. Watch him whilst he busts a nut. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. One stroke up, one stroke down. Come like Onan on the ground. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Boom shakalaka laka, 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 boom. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum 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 bum. Why problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make. <laughs> You're right.